Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland sitting in the balmy May sunshine yeah. in, the, in uh, the gardens of the Royal Chelsea Hospital. Yes. Because we are very fortunate. You'll hear some hustle and bustle in the background. Yep. You hear the, you, I mean, I don't know if you if you finely tuned ears, you can hear the sound of compost being moved. Yeah. Uh, earthen, wheelbarrows. Wheelbarrows, the odd crane in the background. Your bandsaw because we and are potting and, po- and there's some serious <laughs> potting over there. There's some very hot potting going on um, because we're at the Chelsea. Is it the Chelsea Flower Show? I, I always think the it's Royal the Ch- Horticultural Society Chelsea Flower Show. It right. is. It is. Yeah. Now, and and we're here. Why are we here, Jim? Well, we're here to talk to John Everest, of, of whom I am an enormous fan because John did this stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, display, which has now been moved to the cliffs above Aramanche. And he went and did a a sculpture of a veteran, but also kind of mirrored, the the, the statue of of the veteran is mirrored by a kind of sort of ghostly kind of figure of a Tommy which is supposed to be his kind of sort of younger self and and it's just it's just incredibly moving Mm. and I remember going up there um, and and tweeting about it it must have been one of the most kind of liked and retweeted tweets I've ever sent I think brilliant Um, so then um, Rachel then spotted that John your, was, wi- your wife, Rachel, wife for, Rachel. Those, for those unfamiliar with our domestic arrangements. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> wife, Rachel, then spotted um, uh, an interview with John flagging up this new garden that he's building for this year's Chelsea Flower Show, um, based for, um, inspired by Biggin Hill, RF yeah. Biggin Hill and the Battle of Britain in 1940. And so got in touch with John and John said, yes, come and have a look and come and see what, um, what I'm up to. And here we are, John. So thank you very much. And gosh, it's magnificent because we're, we're, we're sat on our kind of... Sort well, of I'll well, tell you what... John, t- tell, yeah, us what, tell, tell us what we're looking at, and, and thank you, f- thank you for having us, and exactly. and getting us on site in the because because what we're not we aren't at the show. The show isn't happening. This is the this is a this is this, this is the show being week. put in. This is the build. You are here at the gritty end, which most people don't get to see. Yeah, um, they, privileged access. I think people think they magically appear these gardens, and it's sort of you know half a dozen artics. I've had there's probably 25, 30 people worked on this project. Um, you know, getting the sculpture in, sculpture weighs seven tons. So there's, logistically, it's a massive thing. So it's great for you to be able to see it now because when you see it at the show, it's going to look completely different. Well, and also, when you, I suppose when you're here for the show, there's crowds of people, you're, you're craning your neck to get a glimpse past a lady's spectacular hat, um, all that sort of ch- Chelsea, because I've never been to the show. I've Dodging only seen Alan it on the TV. Exactly. I mean, and this, I mean, you've got to dodge Alan Titchmarsh. But... Um, I mean, so what? So what is the what is the the, the the sculpture, and what's the concept, and and how do you arrive at? Uh, um, you know, I, I've I've got a patio <laughs> in my back garden, and yeah. I needed to put the barbecue on the it's, left. It's, 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 really, it's really nice, your patio. <laughs> it's but, very but, nice, you know, but it's not no a fence, but it's, it's not a patch on this. <laughs> so, so John, um, 
Where, how do you, how do you arrive at a sculpture like this? Where do you start, and and, and what, what? I mean, it's evident what you're trying to express, but yeah. take well, us I, through the process. I love sculpture. I love making sculpture, and also my career is garden design, and to combine the two, they work seamlessly together. Really. Yeah. So the centerpiece of the garden is a, a 12 foot high sculpture of a Battle of Britain pilot. Uh, looking up at the sky, he's holding a mug of tea as he might have just landed from one of sorties, ready to go up again. And then wrapping round him, we have a Purbeck stone wall, um, sort of uh, mimicking a blast wall that might be on an airfield or industrial site. Yeah. Sort of protecting him now as it would have done back in 1940. And then beautiful planting beyond it, which will make it a, quite a reflective space in the yeah. future. Yeah. Oh, it's, the statue is very imposing, isn't it, Jim? Oh, it really is. It's absolutely stunning. It's sort of it, it, it's sort of slats of metal, um, which is incredibly uh, uh, effective. And what's incredible is how. Of, I mean, what would you call that? Pro- I mean, would you call it slats? What, 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 yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. Which okay, or whatever so you want to call them, slices, slices. 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 Well, well, what's interesting yeah. about it is because it's sort of so it's in it, it's in relief, isn't it? The, it is, it, and and it makes it look like it's in motion. Yeah, in a way that if it was a solid yeah. statue, I mean, you it, can see all in the, a way it was a solid statue, of, it wouldn't. Yeah, the and also of his trousers and the and the and the May West and the flying helmet and playing on it. Yeah, yeah, and and the and he's got you know he's got his flying boots on and the further away you get, sleeves rolled up, you can tell all of that. That's it, yeah, so it's humanity. I was trying to get over it. I'm always struck. I mean, one of the things about sculpture and about sculpture about war is reconnecting with people. Um, people are very familiar with bronzes and these very stoic figures, a very beautiful bronze at the Normandy uh, Memorial that's just been unveiled. But for young people, you need to think of fresh ways of telling yeah. a story. How do you attract them into the story? So, you know, let's do something new, something eye-catching, it brings them towards it, and then they can start to learn about what it means. Yeah. And it, who is this? Is this from a photograph? Is no, it, this, <laughs> this is my son. So my right. son, oh, who's, who's also my muse on a lot of my projects. Oh, brilliant. Um, so we 3D scanned him. He dressed um, in period costume, completely accurate. I've, I've learned my lessons about not having correct uniform on sculpture. Right. It always gets picked up. Yeah, someone will spot it. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah the wrong watch or whatever yeah. so he's he's got <laughs> everything is authentic on there took a lot of time trouble to to get that correct and the other thing i didn't want it to be was a kind of tom hardy dunkirk type figure flying jacket you know they weren't when you look at a lot of the battle of britain pictures of pilots they were normally skinny oh, that's skinny as a rake. Right. thank you john and straight out of and university straight, well yeah if, if at all yes or, or straight out of grammar school some of them trousers chest high yeah. you know shirts too big desperately trying to look cool smoking a pipe or yeah. you know they might be 18 yeah uh, well, how old's your son so my son's 24 he's 22 when the scam was right, taken so, so that's spot on day, he could have been you know, born in a different time that could have been him he went to yeah. university he could have ended up being called up yeah well I remember being in I remember being in the in the Reichswald cemetery and looking down at this this 19 year old who'd survived one day in battle before being killed and at the time I was looking at it my own son was 19 and there's nothing like it to kind of really put it in perspective yeah, to and, connect and you put with it, it yeah. connect no. you with it and, and make a chill sort of go down your spine but John I'm also loving on, on the on the sort of blast shelter the kind of sort of it's sort of aping a kind of bunker you've got these little viewing slits these little sort of yeah, apertures yeah, which I mean is incredibly effective you, I mean if you were hiding behind the wall you'd have to, you'd want something to look out so it's so like a viewing slit out during the war but also now what we're doing is giving you the opportunity while you're sat inside this space because you're you're wrapped around you can't see the planting as much you'll be able to look out and see planting all around you or 
people actually wandering around the garden in the distance it's kind of fun and we've done all sorts of different things like this is it's got an opening for a wheelchair here where i want right. wheelchair access so they can have the same experience they can turn the wheelchair out we've set this at the right height so you can look out through the viewpoint if you're in a wheelchair so you can have the same experience as everybody else i mean it's, uh, it, it is very calming isn't it it, it is it i'll I, I was just going to say that it's very calm. Oh, sorry to steal your no, mind, no, no, but... no, no, no. We're arriving at the same thought, which is part of its aesthetic purpose, isn't mm. it? It's it to... was, and, and the there is a reason for its monstrous great height. Um, partly because the idea is that when you're sat in the in these benches that curve around the inside of the wall, that you can lie back against the wall, you look up at the You've sky, got to look up at the sky. The same view that he has. It's completely uncluttered. A few planes flying over yeah. in the distance, and you, you're looking at what he's looking at. You can imagine that he's looking at some action that's going ahead. The Hurricane Spitfires, Mr. Smiths. Yeah. Is he going to get the call to go again? Or he's counting his mates back in? Yeah, yes. yeah. Will Something... he finish his mug of tea? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, th- how long does the flower show run for? For those that don't know, well, we have, a pre- me. <laughs> we have a we have a press day which will be yep. next Monday, which, yep. uh, and that runs all the way through to the following Saturday. Show finishes. We have four days. The whole thing. This is back to soil. Where, and where's the statue going? Well, the whole garden is going to Biggin Hill. Brilliant. So Excellent. we're rebuilding the whole garden in July. Uh, everything that you see here will be at Biggin Hill, and Excellent. it's going to be part of the history trail for the site forever. Uh, it's marine grade stainless steel. It's on a four-ton block of Portland stone. It's not going anywhere. Any no, it's soon. not going anywhere. No. Um, and you'll be able to to go to the museum there. You, it's at the end of the runway. You can watch. He's looking at the planes coming and How going. How fabulous! And of oh, course, brilliant. lots of Spitfires for him to look at as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Heritage Hangar just just yep. a, a few hundred yards away. Friends of the show. Yeah. Yes, friends of the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, it's I, I love her. I really love how because it's in the in, in the in the slices that you the light feels like it's in motion on it. It looks yeah. like waves. Yeah, yeah. It looks, you know, we're all we're used to looking at waveforms now, aren't we? And it and it, look, it, it has that sort of ripple in it. Um, yeah. And what, one thing that worked, has worked really well with this and also the D-Day sculptures is the it photographs incredibly well. It almost turns into something else through yeah. a camera lens. Yes. Now, yes. as a sculptor, that's incredible. So you get two. You know, people are always going to take pictures of it. It yeah. almost looks like it's been superimposed. It doesn't look like it's actually there. Yeah, yeah. So, John, t- um, tell me. I mean, I do think this, this it, it's absolutely beautiful. It really, really is. I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked by it. But, but tell me, where did your interest in the Second World War come from? Because your your father was in the war, wasn't he? In, in the RAF? he was. Yeah, my father was 52 when I was born. So he was he was almost a grandfatherly figure as I was growing up. Uh, he he was called up in 1941. Uh, he went over trained as a navigator went to Miami and, uh, and then to Canada as many of them did and then started to fly actively in 1942 in uh, Short Stirlings uh, what was his role? so he navigator so oh. he was quite highly trained so he was probably the lead navigator in the squadron um, yeah, I've still got a lot of his training books and you can see the amount of detail in it his handwritten notes on every page he took it very seriously and yeah, he flew with uh, Seven Squadron and then um, towards the end, 90 Squadron based at Ridgewell in Essex. Oh, I know Ridgewell. Yeah, yeah I've a, been there because it was then taken over by the 8th Air Force. Well, it was actually, we went to visit there and did a little bit of filming in the run out, which is a great privilege for me to go and see where Lovely Paul, did you see him? 
Yes, yes, yeah, a lovely He's place. He's a great amateur yeah. historian, enthusiast. Oh, Single-handedly so keeps that place yeah. on its toes. It's just amazing. And he hasn't got a lot of information about the RAF because they, they were only there for five months. It was actually built for the um, US Air Force. Right. And they were the 381st bomb group, were yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So they, they, there was a delay in them coming over, so the RAF used it for, t- used it used for five it months. Could. Yeah. Did he talk about um, his experiences? Or not much when I was younger. I knew um, that he'd been in the RAF, but do you know there was so many of them about. They didn't really talk about it much. They just yeah. sort of well, they're not quite so cherished as they are no, now. No, no. They're, they're they're like gold now. But back yeah. in the day, there was hundreds of thousands of ex-servicemen. But when he retired, he decided to start doing talks. He was um, he worked in education. He was used to talking to groups. And he started to raise money for an organisation called the RAF Escaping Society. Right. Because he'd been shot down. He'd been shot down. And he, uh, he, he sort of raised money to send back to the people who rescued them. So the, all the money that they raised actually helped were for the helpers back in Belgium, France, you know, wherever, that, that helped them and escaped during the war. Gosh. God, what a fantastic what a thing. thing. brilliant thing to have done. I, I, I had no idea that. So and he was shot down. He was in. He, he was uh, in the bag. And, and w- did he escape himself? Or he did it. I mean, they were so lucky to survive. It was. Yeah. It was an. It was a miracle. So they crash landed. They. They didn't parachute out of the plane. So you imagine a short Sterling is an enormous aircraft, much bigger than Lancaster. Yeah. Um, very much compromised by the design because they clipped the end of the wings to make it fit into the hangars that yeah. they had at the time. So its altitude was, was quite low, fourteen thousand yeah. feet. Yeah. He was flying back from Mannheim and they got hit by a, a German night fighter, an ME-110, they think, because the first thing he knew about it was a, a cannon shell came up between his legs, up oh, through geez. the tables and out through the top of the aircraft. Wow. So they, uh, what they think happened was that it had, it had a, a vertical firing gun. That yeah, yeah, behind, the yeah, music. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they used to aim for the wings, so they ended up with both wings on fire. And the pilot managed to crash the plane between two trees and oh knock the wings off. And the fuselage slid down the field and they all got out. Which is they all got out? They all got out. Yeah. That's amazing. absolutely That's incredible. incredible. God, isn't it amazing? You know, first of all, the cannon shell, then the crash landing. You know, I mean, how are you here? Exactly. He's probably the worst, worst injuries. He, he um, crushed some vertebrae in his back on impact, so he couldn't walk at the time. So they put him into a ditch nearby and they left him there for 24 hours. And this is where the story gets even more incredible because he, he always used to carry a camera. He flew in a tweed jacket because he said, what use is a flying jacket if you get shot down? And he always <laughs> carried a camera. Because yeah. so, he was an <clears throat> opportunist photographer. So while he was in the ditch, as you would, in agony, yeah. uh, he took a photograph of the crash site and then buried the camera with his service watch in the ditch and then recovered this in 1947. John, this is amazing. In 47, four years later... Went back. Went back. And the film? Film's fine. So there's one picture on it and it's a picture of the crash site. And his watch still works. My son's wearing his watch in that in, in this sculpture. In sculpture. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely amazing. What a story! Yeah, so he got rescued by the French Resistance the following evening. Got pushed in a car all the way back to Chauny in northern France, and he hid there for about five weeks uh, in a car mechanic's garage. Yeah, and you know the the, the pilot got captured eventually. The he was hid, hidden by the local baker. 
and one of the villagers denounced him to the Germans and they, they hung him the next day from in oh the street. Oh my god. So the, you know the this I think this had a big impact on my father about yeah, we, we were risking our lives but we went into a prisoner of war camp as a helper. Yeah. You were uh, very often tortured and then sent to concentration yeah. camps. Yeah, yeah. If you were lucky if enough you, not yeah, to if be shot. Lucky to live that long. Yeah. 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 Uh, we just need to take a quick break uh, here at the Chelsea Flower Show. Welcome back to We Have Ways to Make You Talk. Um, we're at the Chelsea Flower Show backstage preparations. That's what all the noise is in the background, in case you're wondering. But he did get back, didn't he? He got back. So he travelled by trains and through Paris and right down to, um, to to the Pyrenees and then walked over the Pyrenees in a pair of plimsolls. This is only, yeah. only a few weeks after his accident, um, or, his, or the crash, and... Um, he got back to through Andorra back to Madrid I think and then back to Gibraltar so he was back home maybe four months after the crash did he did he fly again after that no he didn't he fair enough it, it, it <laughs> partly terrible dicky partly because of his back but right. also because of his knowledge of the escape lines they were also they were very cautious about sending airmen who'd escaped back flying again in case they got shot down again and then God, obviously you know what? I didn't know that nor did um, I but that makes that makes, makes complete perfect sense, sense I mean that will be MI9 going absolutely can't have these but network, also to be perfectly blown, honest if you, 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 how many, so how many missions did he do 19 ok uh, well I think he's He's done his sorties, isn't he? I mean, he's he's, his logbook is just incredible. I mean, he looked through it. I mean, so detailed. Every bomb load was written down. Everything that happened on that flight. I mean, there's God, one where they flew over the Alps and they had um, a twin engine failure. So down to two engines, and it just says, you know, turned round, returned to base. Yeah. So you go right. No, you, you've two engines down, and you're over the top of the Alps. So he. he <laughs> He flew to Turin, Mannheim, Berlin, right. did lots of very big bombing raids. Yeah. Um, Goodness was me. Laterally. God, that's the most extraordinary story. I've, I've just never heard anything like it. Of sort of, you know, going in a tweed jacket with your camera, taking a photo, burying it, digging it did up he, again. I mean, did he, did he, well, if he didn't talk about it much, but did he regard, it, did he regard what he'd done as remarkable or is it just like, absolutely just, not. Just did absolutely my bit not. like everybody yeah, else. And yeah, just set of circumstances and you deal yeah. with it yeah. and you do the best you can. Yeah. Um, but he was just forever grateful for the help he got. So we, we're still friends with the family that, that saved him. We're now down to sort of grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Really? I'm still friends on Facebook. We go and visit them occasionally. Oh, isn't that just that's, fantastic? That's Michel Lojean. Yeah. And what was their story? I mean, what, what, what happened to them in the war? Well, he was lucky. So he, um, somebody told him that he was about to be arrested. So he saved 73 uh, servicemen during the war. Goodness. Um, towards the end of the war, uh, the they were Germans were clamping down on the the escape routes. Unfortunately, they were very good at infiltrating the yeah. um, escape routes and getting um, yeah you get one person you starts a chain reaction. Yeah. Um, so he managed to get away and he hid until the Allies came through and uh, he, he he then got away. But. So he was a he was actually a submariner during the First World War in the French Navy, oh, and God. had an inherent hatred of the of the Bosch. He always called yeah. him the Bosch. Yeah, and he felt that it was his patriotic duty to help help servicemen. I mean, the incredible thing is, I've been there. The garage is opposite where the German garrison was in in the town. I had over two thousand Germans. So what was the name of the town? Shoney, Shoney in northern Paris. Shoney. Wow. Um, and I I mean, we're talking 
uh, 20, 30 yards away. So hiding under the noses is very apt description. Slidey wooden doors on his garage. Extraordinary. Uh, he t- I, I remember a bit hearing a story uh, about how he had about four or five allies in there at one point and they were playing cricket in the garage and getting a bit rowdy. Good lads. How's yeah. that and all this? And yeah. he said, no, 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 you can't be saying anything in English. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow. What an amazing what, what story. An amazing story. So have you, have you ever tried to kind of retrace the steps across the Pyrenees? It's something I want to do. Actually, we talked, we were going to do it before COVID came. So we've contacted people over there and we go, we definitely want to do that before oh, I Well, if you need old. somewhere to start your journey, I, my in-laws have a house down by the Pyrenees so I mean we yeah. keep well, if you need, if you need anyone to, uh, to keep your company yeah, you can't count in yeah, yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, a yeah. three four day journey I think yeah. it's it, a little bit of training required but it's doable there's a lot of guys that, that, yeah. that are doing these routes Yeah, I think there's three or four routes over there and actually when you get to know people they, they, they're very keen to help you research it and then yeah. they start giving you advice about whether it was you know my dad had actually traced it out but obviously he might have gone a slightly different route than, yeah, yeah. Than he remembered. Uh, yeah, exactly. He might, he, and he might not quite know. No, because um, it's all happening. Oh, just, it, it just so fast. And all that sort I of mean, the, the incredible thing was his parents didn't even know. They would just been told he was missing. Right. And generally, in those days, if you were missing, you, you were gone, more yeah. than likely yeah. gone, and yeah. you know, in bomber command. Yeah. So, so did he, he just suddenly he turn just up turned up on the doorstep, knocked on the door, and she just fainted on the spot. <laughs> oh. um, he wasn't in uniform. He was wearing ragtag clothes that had been given to him when he got back to the UK. Yeah. Um, and just, just hello, mum. Hi, mum. <laughs> My yeah. God, how amazing! So, John, this is your second sort of um, second world war uh, piece of work, a garden. Do you think that's going to be a thing you do? You, you're going to visit, revisit with, with further commissions, or, or you know, maybe on you, the sculpture? But right. at Chelsea, I probably. I probably think that would be it because yeah. you do get to the point where people go, oh, "John's doing another wartime garden." Well, that, well, that's because that's because you know you obviously you know you don't want to get pigeonholed, do no, you? No, that's it. So um, the D- D-Day garden led to this project because I feel when you're covering wartime topics, it's, you've got to be very sensitive with it. Yeah, uh, you don't want it to become a kind of Disney type no. garden. So with the D-Day one. I, I try to keep the veterans in the loop all the time, all the way through the project, so that when they visited it, they felt some connection to it. Yeah. Um, and then that this led to this one. So it was a chance conversation with someone about how there isn't an awful lot of Battle Britain memorial out there. But everyone knows the story. There's, a, I think, there's a nice sculpture down on the coast somewhere. But they're not in the scale that perhaps D-Day was has been commemorated. Yeah. yeah. But John, just going back to your Normandy one, I mean. How did you find your veteran? I mean, what would, tell me the story about that and how that came about. Yeah, well, we work with a charity called D-Day Revisited, who, who are fabulous. They've, they've disbanded now. It was just uh, a father and daughter, Victoria and John Phipps. He just read an article about how they were struggling for funding to get D-Day veterans back to Normandy every year. So he started a charity to organise trips. Yeah. Um, and they took hundreds of veterans back every year. They um, secured LIBOR funding for them so that they could they could use pay for all their trips. Yeah. They all became friends. I mean, when you go and visit their charity base, it's incredible because people leave them stuff. And there's, there's a stack of berets in there that paratroopers, Navy, Army, everything you can think of. Every incredible story from D-Day yeah. is encompassed in this one little room. So they... they word got out there veterans started to contact them they 
were always very fun trips out there so working with them we got put in touch with all the veterans and one particular veteran Bill Pendle who, who won the military medal quite a, a, a real cheeky chap mm. a real twinkle in his eye and I thought he'd be perfect for a sculpture so we worked with him to create the stone sculpture and then I looked at archive pictures of him yeah. and I recreated a sculpture of him in, in the correct uniform that he would have worn as, as somebody working in signals mm. and sadly he died just before the garden was put here so his best pal Joe Catini who's also landed on D-Day beaches represented him during the show and, and afterwards so Bill's there forever and he's overlooking the exact beach he landed on Gold Beach looking out to sea uh, you've got the Mulberry Harbour remains still there and it's yeah. a very atmospheric place fantastic it's, a, it's the most stunning I've not sculpture. seen it oh, no. it's, it's, I've been on the cliffs above Aramosh but I've not, seen, I've not seen the garden yeah it's very near the cinema 360 yeah. degree cinema yeah. so everybody, anybody visiting there if you go to the cinema you'll walk you'll past that it. garden yeah, yeah. it was there for the 75th wasn't it on 2019 it was yeah we, we finished it the day before um, <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> so yeah, because obviously the show finishes here. I didn't Nothing leave like it a deadline, till, is it? Yeah, <laughs> we left here on the first of June, and I had to have it finished by the sixth of June. Yeah. So five days to install a whole garden. So we had a whole team of Royal Engineers, some Gurkhas there, um, oh, all my crew. We just went at it, just got it done. We just had to go, had to do it. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah fantastic installation we've had a quarter of a million visitors in the first four months it was installed there uh, loads of photographs I still get you know three years later and I'm still getting photographs of, of people who take the trouble to send them to me yeah well it's a nice le- legacy for Bill but it must be um, must be gratifying for you isn't it oh, amazing I mean it's the longevity of it I love um, you know the Chelsea has a sense of temporary about it it's a piece of theatre so I see it's very much a journey for the sculpture. We're previewing it here before it goes to its proper place. Yeah. Where it should be, which is Big and Hill, where, you know, another reason why it's so big, because you're going to be viewing it from quite a way away, from the yes. main road. Yes. From the airport. Yes, you need to be able to see him, don't you? You need to be able to see it, and you want to be able to see him poking above all the planting there, and you'll go, wow, let's, you know, draw people into yeah. it. We'll have some signage there and be able to explain the story. Well, it's, it's quite stunning. Uh, it is absolutely it beautiful. Really do it justice there. I've, I've, my wor- words have failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we're incredibly lucky because we're seeing it on a beautiful day. It's 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 the warmest day of the year. You know, there's little sort of white fluffy clouds above us. The sky is blue. Um, a smattering of colour amongst sort of gorgeous greenery. The sandstone of your sort of blast pen. The wild daisies, wild daisies, the whole thing. I mean, we've got every, sort of stone walls, stone floor. Yeah, every as well. part of it, really, because uh, you find out so many interesting things. So this is Purbeck stone from Dorset in the wall, and the, the the sculpture stands on a piece of Portland stone. So the Portland stone represents all the historic buildings in London that were yeah. destroyed during the Blitz. And of course, Portland stone used for the um, Commonwealth War Graves. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Headstones. And the wall Purbeck stone, I found out that after the Great Fire of London, uh, there was a royal decree that all the paving in London had to be made from Purbeck stone. Right. Um, so we've kind of incorporated that into the idea. And then throughout the sort of little nooks and crannies, I've went and sourced a lot of uh, blitz uh, damaged materials, sort of human little elements, yeah. bits of little teapots. And we got them off Crosby Beach, actually, yeah. in Liverpool, where the... Um, the anti-Gormley figures are yeah and 
we're going to tuck those away in the rocks and so it's that human element I mean this pilot represents okay he's a Battle of Britain pilot but he could be any pilot from any era yeah Afghanistan Iraq yeah, yeah. yeah even a German flyer would recognise himself yeah. in this yeah um, that being on the ground but looking to the sky yeah well it's well, absolutely stunning yeah thank and you so much John uh, for, yeah, your, for we'll, your time and for giving us a sneak preview and yeah no, very look, privileged look forward to seeing this in Biggin Hill next time we're messing about with Spitfires yeah we'll be looking out for you next week and hoping you can get yeah. your gold yeah thank you <laughs> no pressure <laughs> well thanks everyone for listening um, see you all again soon bye bye cheerio